Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Are you ready? What up, what up? This is Believe in Rutgers. We are back at Alex Tushone is here. At Ryan Cunningham is here joining us as a guest host at underscore JPO is here. We are chopping like we've never done before. It was a huge weekend for the Scarlet Knights traveling to Michigan State for the beginning of the new Greg Schiano era. Watching this game, there were like a lot of takeaways, the new players, the new schemes. But to me, the most important thing wasn't new, but it was back. And that was the sense of hope, the belief, the Jersey pride that this program was built on that we saw so much of during Coach Shiano's first stint with the Scarlet Knights. I felt like I was in middle school again, chilling in a friend's basement with the boys, watching the Scarlet Knights compete once again at a high level. People can say what they want about Michigan State, but this is a much, much better Rutgers football team. You know what else is back? I know we said Rutgers was back. You know, it's back. Bet online. The NFL season is in full swing. Might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. You know, my Rams, they beat the Bears this past weekend, put some money on the Rams. Money line, you know, 14 points. Let's go. For game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. But Alex, I completely agree with you. Honestly, it was a phenomenal day to be a Rutgers Scarlet Knights, to be a football fan. Um, this one gave me so much confidence about the future and the return of Greg Schiano. It's honestly just an awesome revival of the program. I know Michigan State has its warts, but at the end of the day, it's all about Rutgers. It's all about it's all about Greg Schiano. It's all about Sean Gleason. What a what a performance! At seven turnovers, absolutely amazing. And you know. I can't wait to see what the rest of the season has in store. Right. And this man who will be co-hosting with us today was a Greg Schiano recruit. And I think this guy needs a proper introduction. He was a captain for the Scarlet Knights, the Big Ten Medal of Honor Award winner, an all Big Ten football player, and most importantly, an all-world human being. We welcome Rutgers great Julian Pinnix Adric. What's going on, Jules? How you doing, man? Rocker is great. I don't know if I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm good enough for that honor, but I appreciate you guys having me, man. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy the season's back. I'm happy that we can kind of get at it and riff on some Rutgers ball, especially after a win, right? Absolutely. And listen, you are one of the guys who committed to Greg Schiano back in 2011, 2012, um, what is it about him that makes him the guy for Rutgers? Uh, for me, I think it was probably his trench coat when he showed up to my school. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's just walking into Montclair High looking all looking all nice and fly like that? Boss to my school. He showed up like a boss to my school. You know, my coach gave him the head coach's chair in the office. Like, I was like, oh, what's going on here? And, you know, Honestly, in all seriousness, you know, uh, when he came in to recruit, I mean, he wasn't my recruiter, of course, because the head coach, you know, he kind of spreads around. But after he was kind of really trying to drill down those final recruits, you know, he came in and the confidence he spoke about uh, with Rutgers, right? Like Rutgers isn't a school that I even considered coming up. I grew up 
uh, a fan of a school in Pennsylvania, but once, you know, you kind of start seeing what Rutgers has to offer, you go down, you see the campus, you interact with the coaches and you see somebody like Coach Yano, who clearly had a mission and a vision that no one could tell him about in regards to where Rutgers, were go- Rutgers was going and the program he was building. Um, you know, somebody like me who has a lot of pride um, in being where from where I'm from, you know, it was a no brainer. Um, it wasn't quite that easy in the process, but um, looking back on it, I, I definitely don't regret my decision. And in the um, and that, it's so interesting you say that because uh, I mentioned in the opening statement about just feeling like you're in middle school back in 2006, 2007, even 2010 and 2011, and a couple years in between when Rutgers went to five or six straight bowl games. You just felt like we had a chance to win the game, and you just felt like the Jersey pride and you just like, that's your team. That's our team. Yeah, man, a hundred percent. And, you know, we, we spoke about it last year and, you know, even when coach Chiana was named head coach, you know, thinking about what would change the most, and especially in this first year as coach Chiano's, uh, you know, new regime or new era kind of approaches, what changes the most. And honestly, a lot of people want to talk about the scheme and talk, we played the, the the Rutgers team was better from the moment he was named head coach um, because of the hope they got uh, because of, you know, what the media thought about them, what the kids thought about themselves, what they thought they were getting. I mean, if you looked at the reception coach Shiano got at the Hale center um, that in itself, that type of energy is what's going to propel you to the next level. So I think the team got better before they even touched the field. Um, you know, you talk about hope, you talk about, touching the field and understanding that you can go out there and punch somebody in the mouth and at least give yourself a chance. I think that's going to be, uh, you know, something that this Rutgers team is going to be uh, not surprised at, but it's going to be new for a lot of these guys coming onto the field on Saturday and feeling like you have a fighting chance. Um, And I think sometimes it's just that, um, that is enough to push you over the edge. Now, obviously in this conference, you're going to need a little bit more, but um, that hope he restored, you know, to Rutgers nation, quote unquote, just understanding that everybody was like, look, we want this to happen. You know, win, lose, or draw, we're all behind this, you know, and it's not like a split decision. I think that's going to be really strong. I couldn't agree more. And probably the most, you know, the most, you know, visual thing that I even saw, you know, at the end of the day, obviously you can have the greatest scheme in the world. It comes down to effort and energy. When I watched the Rutgers games, watched the highlights, it was all about energy. They punched Michigan State in the mouth from the first snap and throughout the entire game. That was all, and that's all it took. So at the end of the day, even though they're a young team, they have all these new players, these new transfers, they came out ready to play, and Michigan State didn't know what to do with them. They had seven – they caused seven turnovers, which is absolutely unheard of. So it was just great to see an absolute just different energy than compared to the last couple years that Rutgers Rutgers football has been playing with. No, word up, man. I mean, and that's that's really it. I mean, we saw a little bit of it last year um, when Coach Nunzio – kind of took over because um, you get that new spark, that new energy when you just have a new regime. You don't really know what's going on. You don't have so much pressure. Now, obviously, they still lost games, um, but you did see a different energy about the guys playing, you know, feeling like they had a sense of hope, feeling like uh, there was new breath breathed, breathed into this program. And so, uh, you know, when, when you got hope, man, that's, that's, that's one hell of a thing. I mean, we see those momentum shifts within games, but when you can see it season to season, when you have a regime change, um, when you have everybody behind it, is definitely a different monster. And it seems like that is the most important thing. I mean, we've mentioned it so much, but when you look at the history of this program, it seems like with all the teams, 
in a lot of different sports from soccer to basketball to lacrosse to you know baseball to wrestling it seems like you know it they all have that coach Shiano jersey pride tough like why not us mentality and it's it's beautiful to see and it's beautiful to be a part of i know that and i think not only are those kids feeling like, hey, we're a part of this, but it rubs off to the fans. I mean, even us as alumni and even people who live in New Jersey are jacked up about this crap. Like I'm talking to friends of mine who didn't even go to Rutgers and they're like, yo, how about the Scarlet Knights the other day? Like, let's go. Let's go Rutgers. Let's go Jersey. And because Khalif, uh, one of my good friends uh, from Montclair, Khalif Herbin played at Temple. Absolute um, legend. Absolute legend. We're talking the other day. <laughs> Ah, he is. Shout out to Leaf. Um, we were talking the other day and he was like, yo, what about Rutgers, bro? He's like, look, man, it's like, obviously I went to Temple. He's like, but, you know, being from Jersey, like I always want to see, you know, Rutgers do good, you know, because obviously you know, it's mostly uh, Jersey guys. I got a lot of pride in my state. He's like, so honestly, it was good to see them take that W. So it was good hearing that from him. But, it, but to your point, like, you know, it brings, you know, kind of that energy back up um, and it's so contagious. And you really start to see uh, the type of reach this program has around the state. And football is a sport where fans and just like a whole area being bought in can really help the team on the field and can lift a community through tough times. And it's, it's quite beautiful. And, you know, throughout the history of the program, the only person who's ever been able to do that for whatever reason, because there's been a lot of different coaches who have been the coach for Rutgers. Right. But coach Yano has been the only one pretty much for the most part who has been consistently successful. And that's not necessarily anybody's fault because you look at coaching, it's a difficult profession and there's a lot of reasons for why you're successful and why you're not successful that are completely out of your control. I mean, you look at Bill Belichick, not being successful in Cleveland, like it's hard to be a coach. And I think, um, that is what's so special and so awesome about Coach Ciano is that he he's this is this is what he does and it's hard to explain and it's hard to it's hard to like be like it's this or that but you just look at it and it's one of those situations where it's like he has it. Well, there are just some guys that are just right for different types of situations. I think it just comes down to Greg Ciano is the right guy to coach Rutgers football. You know, Rutgers is always going to be even though that we don't want it to be. He's always going to look at it as almost like an underdog school. And Greg Schiano is basically like an underdog guy. He has, he's extremely tough. He makes his teams extremely tough. They fight every single whistle. Even if you, you know, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, even though he was only there for two weeks, people were diving at people's legs, <laughs> you know, you know, at, um, you know, when the people, when the other teams were taking knees. So I think his situ his demeanor and personality is just perfect for the state of Rutgers, perfect for Rutgers football. And you can just see the energy that he brings every time he's on the sidelines. Yeah, one last point to that, you know, even though you know I played for Coach Kyle Flood and, and Coach Ash as well, um, you know, when Coach, we, Coach Flood took over, it was we essentially kept the same philosophies mm-hmm. as Coach Ciano, uh, you know, in, in regards to trust, belief and accountability and charge for family, um, all those different concepts. We kept the same and even our defense. Um, so the defense they're running now is what we ran for the first four years. And it was actually pretty interesting. You know, obviously, I, you know, I coached or I played under Coach Rob Smith, uh, Coach Frazier. Um, and so, you know, Coach Panagos, um, though, um, 
it wasn't under Coach Giano, but, you know, I can see where, you know, the, the kind of the DNA of where this program is going. And, and it's exactly that, man. It's hustling through the whistle. It's, you know what, look, you're not going to always be the biggest and the strongest and the most talented, but we're going to sit in here and fight. And that's what that defense, at least, is built off of. Uh, but, again, you don't want to put the horse or the carriage before the horse. But, uh, no. Right. Now, really let's talk more about that defense causing seven turnovers. That was awesome to see. Um, from a schematic standpoint, they couldn't figure out that tilted nose with specifically uh, number 50, Julius Turner. Um, yeah, what is it about that defense that makes it so difficult um, in the trenches to, to, to game plan for? Because we clearly had the schematic advantage um, watching that game. Well, I think the defensive coaches will tell you first is there's a lot to clean up, but um, that defense is really interesting, right? So you, you have, you know, your one V position, which you're seeing, you have your three technique position, you're having your four I position, which is head up on the tackle, and then you have a rush in, which is R. Now, this is a defense we saw for uh, the four years Coach Yano left um, before Coach Ash came. Um, but I think what it does is it's based on movement. So you'll see a lot of zone blitzing out of it. Um, the way that the, the the one V and the rush end are tilted and they're, they're built like that. So what they do is set edges. So you're, you're um, and then we saw a lot of that from Julius Turner on Saturday. They're able to get vertical set edges. They're not able to get reached and they're able to uh, stop the offense from going one direction or the other and then turn it back to the linebackers and the rest of the D-line who are hustling to the ball. And so it's, it's a zone blitz scheme, but again, when you're playing it the right way, it's definitely hard to block, and it's a little bit more odd than straight up uh, one technique, three technique, two, five techniques you'll see on the defensive line. Because Julius was taking up two guys like every single time and freeing up the linebackers and other defensive players, and it just seemed like he was really, um, I would say, probably one of the def defensive players of the game. Bro. Julius, I texted him after the game. I said, bro, I don't know if I've ever seen you play like that. And I've been watching for a while. I'm like, you you were bodying these cats. And, and again, that 1V position is one where you have to get off early. So that tilt allows you to get reached a little bit easier. So if the guy wants to get outside of you, imagine you're tilted to his inside. So if he wants to hop step or reach step to get around you, it's a lot easier. So you have to get off fast. And I think Coach Yano mentioned it um, in the post-game presser about um, you know, the different guys have been out of the Joe Giacobis of the world, the Ramel Meekins of the world. Who oh, two legends right there, dude. I am so happy you just mentioned those guys. No, 100%, man. Joe is, Joe is, Joe is the best, uh, and, and so is Meeks is still in the building um, as an academic advisor. But, you know, when you have those short, uh, you, know, you know, twitchy guys, you know, putting them at that, you know, 1V is not only imperative because that's what you need to be at that position – um, but it definitely gives you an advantage because it's not what you're used to, the big, you know, 6'3", six, 6'4", three, six, 300-pound cat who can't really move and you expect them to take up space. These guys are on the move. And I look at that as, like, that's great coaching and that's great, like, philosophy um, for these guys to follow. Um, but I also look at that as, like, that's, like, just using the strengths of your guys. And Coach Yano, like, let's be honest – he inherited a really tough situation. I mean, some people call it like, you know, a dumpster fire type situation. However, he's not focusing on what can't these players do because let's be honest, Rutgers doesn't recruit at a national level yet. They will. Um, he's focusing on what can they do? And that's Julius Turner, not a very big dude, but like, what can he do really well? And that's like, it's just, 
so awesome to see. I think that another point is that they, they forced seven turnovers. Obviously, every single game, they're not going to be able to do that. But when you watch the turnovers, one of them was a muff punt. But those other six turnovers, they were looking like Charles Tillman out there. They were peanut punching. They were stripping the ball. They were doing like very good fundamentally things that, you know, sometimes turnovers are lucky. But those turnovers, they actually forced. It wasn't just that, you know, the Michigan State gave them the ball. Yeah, I mean, you saw that. I mean, and even the look, even the muff punt, it takes you being down there in the right position to recover it, right? Um, hustling down on the field. And that's not always a given, right? Especially when we were talking about college football. Um, you're talking about a team who's been through a lot these last few years and really has to relearn how to, you know, play hard. And it's not for lack of coaching. I mean, Coach Ash is a great coach. Um, guys, guys on our staff are great coaches. But, you know, it's different when you can galvanize a group. Um, and I think it takes – uh, a certain kind of combination of things to do that in New Jersey, right? Specifically, but um, to those turnovers, you're right. You know, guys were stripping balls. Guys were honestly just in the right position. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a couple of those picks. There were a couple of error throws, right? But at the same time, being in the right position is most of the battle. Um, and sometimes you'll make a Superman play, but yo, when you're in the right position, is really the first one to make a mistake. Um, and it's the first game of the season. Michigan State has a new regime in after uh, Coach D'Antonio's out of there. So they were bound to make mistakes, and if you're there to capitalize on them, um, you look like Rutgers did on Saturday. So, again, um, I'm not going to call them the, uh, you know, the Legion of Boom quite yet. But <laughs> being in the right position is half the battle and, and really hustling, and I, I'm, I'm glad because that's going to give those guys hope to continue to do that. Yeah, and you look at that defense and all over the team pretty much, there's a ton of transfers. And, you know, normally you don't want to live off of transfers, but you look at some of these transfers, not only are they from big-time schools, but I think what makes them so impactful right away is that they're state of Rutgers guys. Like Coach Yano calls the state of Rutgers, like everything the state touches. So like New York, Pennsylvania, and then obviously New Jersey, Long Island. You look at Crookshank from, from Brooklyn or Asmus Hall, you look at Haskins, the tight end from New Jersey. You look at all these other guys, Minnesota transfer, um, a uh, Michigan transfers, like all these guys, like they're from New Jersey. And I think that's what makes them more of a fit right away, which really helps us from a talent perspective. But they're also letting the guys who were already here. And I, I, although Rutgers didn't have a great team the last couple of years, they still are a division one big 10 team with some talented players, but it's just kind of taken the pressure off those guys. Like you look at Crookshank, he's a, he reminds me a lot of Janarian Grant with his speed and he's taking pressure off of a guy like Bo Melton, who was our number one receiver last year. And he had a very good game. And then you look at a guy like Shameen Jones with the touchdown. So, it just seems like these guys are are taken, you know, a little bit off the plate of our guys, um, but also they just are they're Rutgers culture type of kids. It seems like there's gonna it's gonna there's a lot to be seen. So look, I'm a little I'm a little salty. I'm a little I feel a little slighted because I know the transfer thing and the talent thing has always been a big conversation around Rutgers. Well, we need more talent. We need better talent. We got to recruit more now. Obviously, as somebody who's been there playing, as you know, like. I don't want to hear, yo, we need more talent to be better. Oh, y'all are not good enough. It's like, look, bro, we had the highest rate of recruiting class Rutgers ever had. And, you know, we struggled, right? So it's not always about talent, right? But how can you galvanize that talent? And I think, you know, we see teams get upset all the time, less talented teams. Um, but to me, it's like we talked about at the top of the show. It was just the effort in, 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 in coaching. 
I think, you know, what coaches can inspire their guys to play hard? Um, what coaches can inspire their guys that their, their way works? Because not only – it's not that the coaches are perfect, but it's like if you get everybody on the same page and at least believe in the same thing, you'll give yourself a chance. And I think um, where these transfers are coming from speaks volumes as well. You know, these aren't um, – these are programs that have seen success. Um, there's programs that have talent. Um, and so you're, what you're seeing also is, you know, guys who've been around it um, and, and want to follow it and create it at Rutgers. I mean, I think it's extremely important to start the season with a win too. Um, just because, you know, you start that season with a loss and, you know, all this new, this new talent, you know, does the new talent really work? Are the guys actually as talented as they say, these guys are bust, you know, coach Shiana. So, you know, I think it was really important, um, you know, but I think more than that, even, you know, Though the transfers are talented, I think more than that is going to be the the attitude they bring um, and what the coaches will instill in them. And going back to the transfer thing, um, Noah Vedral was named the starter. Obviously, Alex and I, we did a huge uh, Rutgers uh, quarterback preview. Um, you know, I know that we were thinking maybe Art would get the job. but uh, Yeah, Noah I was Vedrill. shocked. I was shocked. I, I mean, I, I, I was shocked. Yeah, but um, at the end of the day, my initial impression was hit with him is that he was pretty, pretty good. Um, you know, he's a good runner. You know, he's, he can make plays outside the pocket. But um, I think the most important thing about him is that he was almost like a game manager. He didn't really put us in compromising positions. Obviously, he, he did have, throw a pick six. But at the end of the day, like, he ran the offense well. He put us in positions to be successful. And he didn't kill us at the end of the day. Obviously, seven turnovers forced by defense helps. But I think Noah Vedral is a good starter, and I think he's a good quarterback for the Rutgers system. You know, not going to put us in compromising situations. Yeah, and, and even the decision not to go with Art, right? And, and the way they played the game, you can tell probably by Art's skill set and what he's going to do the best, why they went that direction, right? We saw a lot of – we saw a QB draw or a touchdown. Um, we saw a lot of zone read. We saw a lot of rollout, um, mobile stuff, things that are like, look – we're going to get this guy on the edge. He could run. And I think when we think about the Big Ten football and, and what we're seeing among offenses around, that is the way to go. You know, the, the five-step drop, that quarterback is a little bit obsolete, not to say that Art doesn't have multiple talents. Um, but, you know, Vedros seem to be, you know, more suited, at least from what we've seen with Art. Now, we also know that the offensive line struggled last year, so that might be a reason why the coaches want to get him outside of the pocket and on the move. But like you said, he limited mistakes. That was one of my notes I had. I said, the kid just didn't make a lot of mistakes. Like, mm -hmm. that's all it was. It just didn't throw the game away. Um, and then when you have Pacheco on the ground and, um, you know, you can get – you can throw some short passes and keep the chains moving, you got you got a chance, man. Good. I'm going to say one thing about Pacheco. Obviously, you know, this is a ridiculous comparison, but the way he runs almost reminds me of, like, Adrian Peterson. The dude just runs angry. He just, he just is going to, like, you know, get in people's faces. He is going to run people over. He just runs hard, and I love the attitude. I love the effort that he gives. Obviously, you know, he's not Adrian, Adrian Peterson, one of the best running backs of all time, but the way he runs just reminds me of it, and I think that's a great attitude to have. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, he was as advertised, I think. And and honestly, he was better than advertised. In our preview, we kind of wanted to see him become more of a pass catcher, and he answered the bell. Only 15 catches in two years at Rutgers. I think he had three or four catches last game. And he was – and the rest of the backfield certainly did their job. And Pacheco, he was kind of our bell cow to get those tough yards. And I think when you look at this offense, one of the things that I didn't expect – and I don't think anyone expected was Johnny Langan's goal line package. And it, he looked like Tim Tebow out there in 2006. 
Tim Tebow. We got Adrian Peterson. That's it. I know that's what you'd think the way we're talking. But hey, Jules, this is a positive show. The only things we the only thing we talk about is the good things. And then we don't talk about bad things. We talk about points of adversity that we need to improve on and that we can learn from. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Yeah, no, the body language package was awesome. I mean, but again, I think that speaks to look, Langan showed a lot last year. Like I love I love that kid from watching him play. I mean, just got hard. Again, it reminds me of a kid I played with Gio Rochino, right? Like he's a guy who was tough. We used to whoop Gio's behind in practice. Uh, but it was just a tough kid and you knew that he was gonna do whatever he needed to. Um he changed his number back to twenty one. I love it. Um and like Koshiano said after the game, it's like, look, man, you're just trying to utilize talent where you can. The team is you clearly behind Langan um, from the way they played for him last year. And it was great to kind of see him get in there and, and find a role. And hopefully they find more ways to use him. I'm, I'm expecting them to use Langan more down the field too. you know, put two quarterbacks in there. He might be in the backfield with federal and we'll see kind of some cute things go on there. But uh, now I'm looking forward to him and I'm happy for that guy. Yeah, and I think that just speaks to um, Sean Gleason and his, um, you know, lack of a better term because I think this is a great term. He's a genius, it seems like. I mean, coached at Princeton, uh, did some great things at Princeton, and, you know, you don't go from Princeton Ivy League school that only plays 10 games a season um, and doesn't even play playoffs to Oklahoma State and then back to Rutgers for no reason. The guy is as advertised. Um, I was at Seton Hall prep coaching this past year, and there was a couple of the colleagues that I worked with, um, had a chance to work with Coach Gleason back in his Del Barton days. And this is a high-level dude. And you saw with the way he just kind of kept Michigan State off balance. And, you know, we don't have the greatest offensive line based off of last year. And then I don't know if their performance this game is enough for us to say that they're, you know, um, a – like the Cowboys offensive line, like of a couple of years ago, but they looked a lot better. And I think a lot of that is because coach Gleason put them in situations to succeed. Yeah, man. I mean, with the Cowboys O line, Adrian Peterson, and we, we, we going and Tim Tebow, yo, we're, we got some good stuff. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, call it excitement, what you want, but uh, you know, it was, it was really good to see. And, you know, when you got, but offensive line in your OC is not putting you in crazy positions. I mean, you know, a lot of the time, all you have to do is really, you know, play your position, do your job. I mean, when you got a guy like Vedro back there, when, you know, who has a threat to run on either side, when they're running zone, you know, zone read options, what you're doing is splitting their defense essentially, right? Like who's going to stay disciplined enough on the back side? Who's going to stay disciplined on the front side? Um, and when you're doing that and you can kind of pause those guys for a little bit, you start to get your play action off. Um, and then those offensive linemen have an easier time. Now, again, I saw a way more improved offensive line, but they just weren't letting guys through, running straight through like they were confused. And um, again, I think a lot of that has to do with the attitude. A lot of that has to do with believing in yourself. Um, I, I haven't been to practice, so I don't know how these guys are getting coached up any different. Um, but they look like a team that just, you know, like, look, bro, I'm not going to let you run past me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that's more than I could say for, you know, some, some ways we've seen in the past, but, you know, I know how much as a player, like that has to do with your mindset and, and, and the belief in your coaches and the people you got back there, uh, signal calling. Now let's shift to, now I know we've made some crazy comparisons, Cowboys O-line. Oh, Adrian uh, Peterson. Well, Adrian Peterson, Tim Tebow. And, and by the way, I didn't say they look like the Cowboys O-line. I said that they're not the Cowboys O-line, but they looked a lot better. 
Um, all right, let's focus on since this is a positive show. You know, we just we just focused on the really good, the things we really liked. Um, now let's talk about the things that we need to improve on. Um, the I guess the uh, the adversity we need to conquer. Um, so Michigan State, let's face it, uh, traditionally a very good team. You know, a couple of years ago you could call them a powerhouse. Um, they did not look like a very good team. Um, the coaching staff turnover, just horrible fundamental mistakes. Um, but also we got to give Rutgers credit. They deserve that. Um, you know, for a reason why Michigan state, uh, had bad, uh, had poor fundamentals, you know, Rutgers is playing really good. Um, uh, but Michigan state, I would compare them to Florida state, you know, Jimbo Fisher leaves, you know, just like coach D'Antonio leaves. And it looks like, you know, Florida state has struggled big time ever since Jimbo Fisher left. And, you know, I, I you know, I can't, I'm just speculating, but you got to think, you know, Jimbo Fisher kind of knew something, right? <laughs> and, you know, uh, I'm, I'm same with Coach D'Antonio. And then you, you hire a guy in February to be your head coach, and then you don't have spring ball. That's just a tough situation to come into um, when it comes to playing a team like Rutgers that had a three-month head start with Coach Chiano. Yeah, we can, and we can try to, you know, and again, three-month head start, a lot of time, not that much time. Um, and, you're, and again, like you said, you're taking over a, game, a team in February. Like you haven't seen the team play. Like you haven't seen them really play. And even playing in spring ball is not a much, but it's something. You haven't seen a t- team play. You haven't really ran a camp. Um, and on top of that, you know, things have been getting shut down periodically and coming back and like all this different stuff. Like how do you know what a team looks like? at the beginning of the season, especially when you have a new coaching staff. Now you're looking at 20 different teams trying to pull stuff. Okay. Well, they did this when they were here and they did this when they were here. Um, it's a lot. And so again, the same reason why I wouldn't get to, no, I wouldn't say I wouldn't get to, I'm always going to be high on Rutgers, but he wouldn't get, you know, put the, put the carriage before the horse in the same way. I would say that Michigan state's definitely uh, faced a lot. And so you would understand why they would be a little bit disheveled at the beginning of the season. That doesn't take away from the domination. I saw, you know, multiple points of the game. Um, from Rutgers side, but at the same time, uh, that can't be unnoticed. Right? I don't know. I don't know if there's a stat out there. I don't necessarily know how many teams have ever won, you know, committing seven turnovers. Like, I don't even know if it has ever happened before. So that and Rutgers just came out, punched him in the mouth. The Michigan State could never recover. You know, there was a couple points in the game where Michigan State was looking like they were coming back, but then another turnover happened. You know, credit to Rutgers in that respect. But I don't think Michigan State should be in absolute panic mode. Obviously, there's so much turnover with everything. It's a great win for Rutgers, great day for Rutgers. But at the end of the day, there were some, you know, out outliers out there that made this win possible. I still am so happy for Rutgers, but you know, we just gotta take it with a grain of salt and you know, keep moving forward. And now defensively, um, they had one of the concerning points I had. Um, now, first of all, defense great effort. But one of the concerns I had watching them, if I was to nitpick them was um, a couple missed tackles in situations where we just had to make the play. There was the one little bubble screen where we got outnumbered on the backside and we missed it and he took it to the house. And then on the other side, there was uh, a corner kind of flying up, got his eyes caught in the backfield on a zone, on a zone read, kind of a, uh, an RPO run pass option play and kind of put our safety in a really tough situation where it's like, Hey, you have to make this play or else it's six. Um, so I'd say the tackling in those situations was a little fuzzy. 
um, and something that, you know, I, I'm sure Coach Chiano is going to address. But at the same time, like they haven't practiced as much and it's game one. And, you know, we would like to see them make those um, those plays, those tackles. But even in a regular year without COVID, just because, you know, there's less hitting in the game of football across all levels from youth, high school, college, NFL. I think you're going to see the first game of any season, you know, them struggle with open field, difficult tackles. Cause those are really hard plays to make. They are, man. And when you think about, you know, kind of really playing a new system, which these guys are doing, um, there's a lot of, you know, it could be a lot of hesitancy, right. And especially in your first game as to where you're supposed to be, how confident you could be shooting a specific gap or shooting a specific tackle inside, outside leverage, understanding who's around you on the field, um, what you're expected to do from your coaching staff. So I'd imagine they're back in the film room, um, really getting after it and tightening those things up. And I can't imagine that Rutgers defense was in too many different packages. Um, even, even Coach Gianno alluded to it after the game. Um, you know, they hadn't really even started putting in a lot of the third down stuff. Um, that we're going to see from this team. Um, and, and they were in base defense a lot of the time, one, which is a positive, um, but two, those guys are going to have to get used to their leverages and really make those tackles because, again, um, what seems to be a struggling Michigan State team ain't going to be the same. We got some of these dogs coming up. And so um, I'm pretty sure that's going to be a big emphasis. And, uh, you know, I wonder if they still do the tackling circuit. Like, I remember the tackling circuit. That was a bear we used to do before practice, and that was a Shiano thing. Um and so if they're doing a tackling circuit, you know, there's definitely uh, some different pointers that we're going to try to, they're going to try to, uh, you know, press the hit, wrap and roll, things of that nature. I completely agree. Um, you know, it's first day struggles with everything, but, you know, they're just going to keep getting better. And, you know, I think at the end of the day, we just got to keep moving forward, you know, and there's a big game on Saturday against Indiana. Well, Julian, as a former, as a former player, like how important is it, um, to have less on your plate mentally and just play, like just play fast. Like, like how important is that to, to, to just like less is more sometimes? Uh, well, I mean, being kind of a, a player under coach Jim Panagos, uh, that's kind of his thing. Don't think, just go. Don't think, just go. Don't think. It's, it's the utmost importance. I think when you get to very great players, they can take the complex things they're supposed to do and really distill it down into second nature. Um, and I think that's what you're seeing at the highest levels of football. Um, but it's extremely important not to think. I think that's what I was guilty of a lot of the time in my playing days. I'm a very cerebral person naturally, but, um, you know, that hinders you on the field when you're thinking too much. Right. So I think part of thinking too much on the field is understanding and trusting your teammates next to you to do their jobs. Um, I found um, when I made most of my mistakes is when I just didn't have trust in the guys around me rightfully so or or not rightfully so um i didn't know like and it's always one one specific instance that pops out to me and it was against penn state and saquon barkley and he's not one of those people who you can just jump out of a gap and jump back and he'll make you pay and i had b gap and he bounced it out and what i didn't trust was my outside my outside linebacker to be there i'm like this guy is good he's gonna bounce out i left my gap he stops on a dime cuts in gets a 30 yard run um, in the blink of an eye, because I didn't trust, I was thinking too much. Um, and so I think part of playing fast is trusting the people around you. And part of trusting the people around you is understanding um, that they're going to be as prepared as they can be when come game day. So again, it's all a trickle down effect. I mean, my, my favorite motto is if you think you stink, 
football is an extremely reactionary game. You just have to do your job at the end of the day. So mm-hmm. the less that they can think and just play football, and I think that's what they did against Michigan State, the more successful it would be. Once you start having, you know, as you were talking about, you, you know, second guess yourself, you have, you know, cloudy judgment, that's when you make the most mistakes. So as long as they can, you know, simplify everything and, you know, they can just react to the play that's going on, I think they'll be successful. But when it starts getting too complex, they start thinking that's when we're going to have trouble. No doubt. No doubt, man. And that's, and that's, and that's the name of defense. Like you, mm-hmm. you, I like that. I like that, but that's, and that's it. You know, you want to play fast. You want to have 11 hats to the ball. And that's what I definitely saw um, on Saturday from this Rutgers defense. And again, I'm extremely, extremely curious. We haven't been able to see practice uh, physically, but I'm really, really curious about how these practices are running um, and what those adjustments are, you know, and I don't think it's any special sauce. I don't think it's anything, you know, any uh, space gym, Super juice. <laughs> yeah, I used to have like a bottle that said secret stuff like that. That's what I'm saying. Everyone yeah. used to look at me like I was nuts. <laughs> That's what it is too, though, right? It's like, it's not really anything special. It was just water in the movie. And I think right now it's just getting people on the same page and people believing they could win. Um, and I'm not going to say this is going to predict anything more for Rutgers, but, um, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a big improvement from what we've seen last year. Well, I think like through the good and the bad, like before this year, like we, let's let's be honest, we we haven't had a winning record in the Big Ten, but I think you know we've always competed with Indiana, Illinois, Purdue, Maryland. So I'm feeling. Pre- Listen, I know we can't put the cart before the horse, but I'm feeling pretty good about our ability to get to that middle ground of the Big Ten, and and I think that all Rutgers fans want is a competitive team. All they want is hope. And, you know, the, the wins of, and the mission of getting to the top will come. And I think it, will it happen this year? Uh, it, probably not, but I'm not going to put that out of the question. Cause I don't think you should ever do that for any team. Like what kind of message would you be sending? Um, but as long as we're competitive, man, like we're going to get there and it, it's, it's great. It's awesome. Um, but let's um, let's transition to Indiana this week. Indiana coming off a huge overtime win against Penn State. Um, best game, best game of the weekend. The ending of that game was absolutely insane. Yeah, um, Indiana is a very interesting team. Eight wins last year, and you know they they were they were seen as a pretty serious team coming into this year. Seventeen returning starters from an eight and five team. Are they a team that's ready to take that next step and? Um, this is, and how much, um, how much of a challenge is going to be for the Scarlet Knights this week? I just, just going over just things that are preseason preview with Indiana, you know, as you talked about the 17 returning starters, nine on defense. I went over the Penn state game, Penn state missed two field goals, but Indiana forced them to three turnovers. Um, you know, Penn state committed 10 penalties, you know, first game there, you're going to really see that. But apparently this is the most athletic and talented Indiana team that there has been in 30 years. So they got talent all over the field. They are a really solid team. Um, they're 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 going to be good. And, you know, even though they came off with a big win against Penn State, Penn State, I think, is not as good as people think this year. Steve Clifford is pretty good, but they're missing their best player, Micah Parsons, who opted out due to COVID. He's going to be a top 10 pick in the NFL draft. But at the end of the day, Rutgers just has to come back with the same energy they did with Michigan State. Indiana is a really talented team. They are a good team, but, you know, they could be, you know, flying a little bit high, just being, you know, having one of the biggest wins in school history. So at the end of the day, we'll see what happens. But, you know, they are a good team, and we can't, you know, take them for granted. 
Uh, yeah, no, hundred percent. I think if you look at that that Penn State Indiana game too, uh, and then look, I'm I'm here to be a hater, but Penn State was making a ton of mistakes. Like Penn State looked, you know, uh, Clifford was sailing balls. Uh, like you said, there were a couple missed field goals. They looked like they were uncomposed and just really weren't ready to play football. I mean, they looked like a really talented team, and through all the mistakes, were still there. Um, Indiana definitely capitalized, but again, you know. This nonetheless, they, they came out with a win against a good football team or was expected to be a good football team coming into the season. So Rutgers is really going to have to tighten up and make sure, um, you know, we got stuff going on. I think there'll be a more complex team offensively um, than what Michigan State was, um, you know. But again, I think there's a lot of opportunity for Rutgers to really uh, make a statement, uh, put a stamp um, on a couple of things. And what you're also going to see is a team in Indiana who's two weeks into the season after not having a spring ball, after not thinking they were having a season. And so you're going to get that much better um, coming into that. So again, those missed sacks, tackles we saw from Rutgers this past Saturday are going to be amplified. Um, and they're, you know, their def Indiana's defensive package are going to have, you know, a couple more plays that we didn't see last week. Um, their offense are going to have a couple more plays that we didn't see last week. They'll be able to learn from that tape and really get their ball rolling. So again, um, I don't, obviously it's not going to be as, as, and I would never call a game easy because it's very, very hard to win any football game. Um, but, you know, I think they're going to be a little bit more challenging of an opponent and Rutgers is definitely going to have to tighten up. And I think Indiana is really going to test Rutgers more than Michigan state did, like you said, on the perimeter. And we're going to be in those situations a lot more that we saw that we didn't um, in those situations that we, did not capitalize as much as we would have liked. Um, Indiana's got some really good athletes, but they've had some really good athletes before a man named Tevin Coleman um, and uh, Mr. JPO and the gang took care of him. Uh, you know, so I don't know, man. Oh, but he, but, but he got, but guess what? He went back to wherever the heck Indiana is Bloomington and with a big L on his forehead. <laughs> no doubt, man. He came to yeah, he came to Rutgers and took it out. Uh, but again, but Indiana, you know, they were classically a team who it was like a track. You better be in shape. Like we used to run two scout teams on Indiana week. So you would run one scout team over here. They were coming out running the play. The first defense would go. They would hop out, and the next scout team would come right in right after them. So they had fresh legs, and they were running the play. And so that's how we prepared against those teams. Um, and even the, the, the year we, we, we came back by, what, what was it? I forget, 25 points to beat. I think it was, the, it was the best comeback in school history, right? It was, uh, it was at Indiana yeah. 2015. Final score was like 55-52. I remember watching that game. It was crazy. It was something nuts. And, uh, you know, but even then, those guys came out and they were flying. And so there's a lot of shallow crosses and things of that nature. Now, obviously a completely different team. Um, but again, once we start getting into big, big 10 play, you'll see offenses similar to what we're running now, which is on the ball, on the ball, uh, you know, seems like a hurry up offense. They're trying to get the defense off balance. And so uh, that's going to be something we're going to have to get used to. But I think what this team is built on, especially this defense, um, the Shiano and coach Frazier and coach Smitty defense, um, is built on is ready for that. But you know what I like about this offense? Um, speaking of the, this offense, better than I like about a lot of hurry up offenses and specifically hurry up offenses we have seen run at Rutgers is that they're getting to the line really fast, but they're not snapping the ball really fast. Like a lot of offensive coordinators uh, want to run like 90 plays. I remember my freshman year at Cuse, our offensive coordinator was like, I want to run 90 plays. I want to run 80 plays. 
like at least. And like Coach Gleason and his offense, they're running to the line and they're going at a fast pace, but they're not forcing the issue if it's not there. You're seeing the audibles from coming in, come in from the sideline because in most college football offenses, the audibles do come from the sideline. So you're seeing those and they're they're taking more time than they would um, let's say, let's say, you know, an Oregon who wants to go 90, hundred plays. And even what we, when we saw Rutgers in 2016, they wanted to run a lot of plays, a lot of hurry up. And unfortunately we, we ended up going a lot of three and outs and putting our defenses in tough situations. Well, I think you said it right there. I mean, that's going to be the most important thing. If you want to hurry up to the ball, you got to move the chains uh, because otherwise your drives are really short and your defense gets really tired. Um, but that's what we saw. You know, I, I love this, you know, being able to convert third downs, um, you know, being able to, you know, in those tough situations, really find a way to make plays, um, convert uh, really short, quick slants when we needed to. Uh, I like the fact that Vedro was doing that. Um, and we could depend on Isaiah Pacheco to get us a couple of yards um, in, a, in a pinch, right? And so you need those those very core things to your offense before you can do the big flashy stuff. You, you've got to be able to convert a third and one. Right. You have to be able to throw it on a third and one every now and then, right? Because you can't play with a 10-man box and then they just they just know you're gonna run, right? So you have to be able to throw it, you have to be able to keep them off balance in that way. And I like the play calling. I mean, I even like to play the, the QB sneak that Reggie took at 23 yards for a touchdown or what have you. That was an offensive play because they weren't playing him in a spot, right? They were they were like, Okay, cool, we're gonna take this many people out the box, we're gonna run everybody off. We're gonna, you know, they were watching the way that linebackers were flowing. They're like, look, there's some openings here. Um, and when you're able to do that now, again, he's not Lamar Jackson, right? Um, but at the same time, we got to make another NFL comparison before the end of the show. <laughs> he's not Lamar. Still, I'm trying to. Say, I'm trying to say. Uh, he, he he he's more. Um, I, 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 he, if I were to make an NFL comparison, he's more Russell Wilson. Nah, I'd say he's more Danny. <laughs> I'd say he's more Danny Dimes. Yeah, we got it. Okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I'd say he's more Danny Dimes because because he doesn't run like Danny Dimes. He can run the ball like really well, but he's not like he's not a burner, right? Yeah. No. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. But again, you know, when you're, I think when you're calling the game that way, if you're if you're doing it the right way, and, and again, this is not to say I'm a master play caller, but. Um, when you're calling things at the right time, it really doesn't take much. You just need a couple of guys out of position. Um, and again, it wasn't that, you know, I'll go keep going back to the QB draw that went for a long touchdown. It wasn't that there wasn't somebody there for it. It was the linebacker was a step out of position because they didn't expect it. Right now, when you run that, there's going to be defenses preparing for that. Um, you know, so, you know, that's kind of out of your arsenal in a couple of different ways. But, you know, you get one guy stepping the wrong way, you know, that's 10 yards, 20 yards, um, and that could be the touchdown and ultimately a difference in a game. And so when you can keep the defense on their heels, um, even if you're not the supreme running threat, but it's like, look, I can take this thing and you're playing out your face. Um, it has massive, uh, massive impact on the game. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm actually going to compare him to a quarterback I played with who was a re- he, he, Terrell Hunt at Cuse. Do you remember him? I, I remember I remember Terrell Hunt. Terrell Actually, Hunt. Yeah, I visited, uh, and he was he was hurt. I met him. Oh yeah, he's a, he's a great time. <laughs> he's a great time. <laughs> but um, but T- Terrell, he was the like Vedrill's much faster than Terrell. But Terrell like was 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 very he was slow. He ran like a five one forty, maybe a four nine. But he was kind of like a point guard 
in the pocket and the way he ran the ball, like where he just like found space and through through one game, you know, I know we're making the the NFL comparisons to these guys, but a a two guys who I have seen play one in person, uh, Terrell Hunt. Would you say that's a better description? I honestly I can't even recall what Terrell Hunt was like. In about, like I said, when I went to go see him, he was he was hurt. Uh, but I, I kind of get what you're saying. Look, you know, I don't know if it's it's, it's 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 too early to call that because I did see a lot of rollout right now. There's a few reasons why um, when you when you do a sprint out when you do a lot of sprint outs or play action rollouts with a quarterback, you're trying to do a couple of things. You're trying to take the pressure off your offensive line take advantage of an aggressive defense because we were able to run the ball early, but also make cutting the field in half for your quarterback, right? You're not giving them that many options. It's like, you don't have to read sideline to sideline when you're rolling out. You have a couple of options right in front of you, or you're going to take it off and run or throw it out of bounds. I mean, I think we were making it very easy on Vedral that way. Um, obviously people are going to start expecting that you're going to have to learn how to, you know, not to learn, but you're going to have to start throwing from the pocket a little bit more than we shown. Um, but we also didn't need to. Um, so I wouldn't, you know, kind of, you know, I wouldn't put him you know, up there yet in regards to his mobility. But, um, you know, like I said, you have to give credit to Coach Gleason and, and, and the play calling and making it um, a better time on those guys by putting them in, in positions to do good things. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think at the end of the day, we just got to take care of Rutgers. I think we just got to execute. We just got to, you know, trust Coach Gleason. We got to co- trust Coach Giano, and I think we're going to be successful. We got everybody just has to do their job. Nobody has to do more than they're asked to do. I know this is very generic football things, but if you watch the obviously we watched the Michigan State game, everybody just did their job. Nobody really tried to do more than they were asked to do. And I think Greg Schiano and Coach Gleason and Coach Smith are gonna put all these players in the right positions. And you know, they're gonna come out and there's gonna be a ton of energy. They are gonna play their butts off. And you know, that's the best we can hope for. So as long as as they play hard, I think they definitely have a chance. But, you know, Indiana is a good football team. Do you think that how in your eyes, how is this season? How is the how can this season be a success? Like, would you rather have one way if we didn't win another game this year, but every game was competitive? Would you rather that or we win maybe one or two more games and a couple of those games are like blowouts? What do you think would be better for the Rutgers Nation? Oh, that's a trick question, man. You can't. You can never root for a loss. But honestly, man, look, and I'll be really frank. You know, I'd much rather be in every game. Like, because some people, some people, there's some people out there tell you a loss is a loss. Mm-hmm. And having taken as many losses as I took, a loss ain't just a loss. You know, and there's certain losses that you can you can live with. Because some people are like, man, I'd rather not lose a close game. And like, like no, bro, I would much rather have a fighting chance. I would much rather. Uh, be in those games. I would much rather feel like there's a couple of things I could fix and go back to the drawing board and really fight that next week. Um, but I would never say, you know, a win for the Rutgers season would be, you know, not winning a lot of games. Of course. But I would say, you know, from where the program has been in the past, mentally, you know, mentally and emotionally, um, knowing what those guys kind of are going through, I think it's a giant, giant step up. Um, to find yourself really competitive um, for the duration of the game um, and constantly making improvements and not making the same mistakes. And I think that's the most you can ask for the team. And I think that would be a success, though that's extremely vague. I want to see, you know, I want to see essentially a lot of what we saw on Saturday. And again, this isn't trying to put them up on a pedestal yet, but I, I saw a lot of just not forcing mis- or not making simple mistakes, um, you know, and, and again, and I keep going back to Coach Giano's interview after the game, but I really liked the stuff he had to say, which was, 
look, when you are playing, the first thing you have to do is not beat yourself. Like, that's it. Like, just don't beat yourself. Um, and then we all know um, it's an avalanche once you start doing that. And then you'll see some of the blowouts that we've seen in the past. And those things aren't talent. We've seen a lot of teams with a lot less get beat by a lot less than we have at Rutgers. Um, but most of that is mental. Most of that is emotional. Um, and you want to know that you're going out there every Saturday. So I think a win for this Rutgers team is being competitive. Um, I never want to see us lose. Right. Like, of, of course. Of course. I mean, I'm not I'm not a guy that wants to see us lose. Yeah. Of course. But uh, no, nah, I think a win for this for this, you know, beat teams are supposed to beat. Um, I'm still of the belief that there's a lot of teams in this conference that we should we should beat. Like, there's not there's mm-hmm. you know no definitive uh, roster or you know pass that says nah. There's no way you can beat this team. You talk about your teams like your Ohio State, Penn State going to show it to me. They already zero and one, so I'm not even going to put them on that list. Uh, but you got your but you got your Michigans and, and, and Minnesota, but I don't we I don't think we play Minnesota this year. But you got your teams like those. Who were like, look, man, it's gonna be it's gonna be a fight. You know, you gonna have to get after, and you have to give them respect. But nah, man, you know, to be really long-winded, yeah, I think I think watching those guys play and compete is enough to say that there's improvement. Um, but it's in no way the goal. Hmm. Hundred percent. I completely agree with everything you just said there. I mean, I, I mean, of course, I'd want to win every single game. But I mean, just for me personally, as long as we're competitive every single game, that's a huge step up. And that's an awesome building block to, you know, to improve, to improve from and continue now the growth of the program. Yeah, you got to You got to be close to win on the hell. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, <laughs> you gotta, you gotta give yourself a chance. You know, you got to give yourself a chance, man. That's it. You know, that's it. The, the people who could stick around and give yourself a chance. You know, those are the scariest teams to 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 powerhouses, quote unquote. Now, now, Jules, um, to wrap things up, man, um, you were one of the best people, the best teammates I've ever had. Um, a friendship and a person I really value uh, in my life. Your advice means a lot to me, and I know it means a lot to a lot of people on this earth. What is the one piece of advice you would give to this current Rutgers team based off of your experience? You're a guy who went to three out of five bowl games in five years, um, was recruited by Coach Giano, played for Coach Flood, um, also played for Coach Ash. You've been on winning teams. You've been on losing teams. You've been on teams with great culture. You've been on teams with culture that isn't maybe what we would all like. What's the number one thing you would say to this Rutgers team? Um, do your job. I mean, I think a lot of the time, I think in my time, I took way too much energy and tried to make it into be a leader for the team, you know, be an example, you know, be the guy that steps up and tells the team, come on, guys, like be that guy. If I was to tell them anything, you don't have to be that guy. You know, what you have to do is make sure you're doing what you do as best you can. I would say try to be the best player you can be. That's how that's how you're a good teammate. Um, and all the leadership stuff, those appoint themselves out. Um, Coach Parker always used to say, it's like, you know, your, your best players got to be your leaders. And I think your best players ultimately become your leaders um, because those are the people people want to follow. You don't want to listen to the guy standing up on the podium saying, come on, guys, rah, rah. And you don't even want to be like him as a player, right? And so the way you lead, it's by example and by action. You can show me better than you can tell me. So what I would tell them is, is really focus on you 
set your goals way higher um, and work harder. Work harder. When you think you're working hard, you're not working as hard as you could be. So work harder. Stay down and do, you know, and do your job. You know, don't worry about everybody else. You don't got to be a leader. You don't have to have a C on your chest to, to, to set an example. And you don't have to give a, a, a cute speech to set one either. You know, do your job. And that's how you show respect to the people around you. Agree, man. Holy, I'm ready to play for you, Coach Jules. <laughs> yo, like, yo, give me a helmet. I got some videos now with my voice on them. I have to. Dude, you need to, dude, dude, I'm telling you, dude, you need to get into like either acting or like voiceover or like, dude, you'd be like, what about, what about like a pipe dream of mine that I think is way more suited for you is like a um like an animation voice actor like you know what well because that you know you called Rutgers o-line mikhail was o-line i'm gonna take what you're saying with a grain of salt i think we uh i did not call them the cowboys o-line i said they're not the i'm not gonna compare them to the cowboys o-line but they're getting a lot better no 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 well it's funny because i did i do have a couple of voiceovers under my belt I know I've seen I've seen a couple of them really tough. Where can guys uh, listening to this um, find that? Where on the internet can we find that? I'm not gonna give that information out uh, quite yet. Um, I'll let y'all know when I'm dropping my next voiceover though. Uh, you know, I'm just trying to get a podcast like you guys. You know, dude, why don't you want to come on the show um, weekly to talk about the squad? We'd love to have you. Well, look, man, I'll be back as as, as much as I can be. You know, I, you know, I love talking records. Um, you know, I love being candid. I love, uh, you know, I love having something fun to talk about. Um, you know, this, you know, obviously records is near and dear to all of us. Um, and there's a certain type of attitude and a certain type of people that we, we like to have around. Um, and it's an, it's an acquired taste, you know, not everybody can handle this, this Jersey pressure, you know, but, uh, you know, I appreciate it, man. And I appreciate you guys. Hey, you made it to the end, or I'm just talking to myself and Ryan. You stay classy, Piscataway.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.